Hi, Alan Matt here. Hey. Uh, just so you know, there are tremendous amounts of spoilers because we're talking about this movie we saw. So, just so you know, uh, spoilers. Spock turns into a dog at the end. It was the dog! Exocomp. Spoilers. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental episode 13, covering Star Trek Into Darkness. Friends, we've seen a Star Trek movie finally. A new one. A new one. It's been... A well, long time since we saw a new Star Trek movie. Let me let me just launch into my summary because that's pretty much how it starts. Please do. Usually this is the part where we chat for a moment, but uh, we're, we're down to business that. here. We've waited far too long. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been a few years. A lot of years. So many years. So, let's see what the crew of the old NCC-1701 are up to. Hey, look! A planet of primitive guys. Flagrant disregard for the Prime Directive. There's our captain. Also, Spock shuttling down to a volcano with the power of cold fusion, which is a bomb that turns everything into ice. Shut up who says that it isn't. (laughs) Spock nearly croaks on this mission, but Kirk risks everything to save his friend. Once again, there's our guy. (laughs) Then they go back to Earth and check in with Jim's fake space dad and get a lecture on how it's not Starfleet policy to interview... To interfere with the natural development of blah, blah, blah. Shut up, Dad. I was trying to make you proud. Then London blows up and Benedict Cumberbatch attacks Starfleet. Oh, that's that guy's name. Finally. Pike dies and... Wait, I can't just gloss over that. My favorite... Second... Fourth favorite character died. (laughs) Kirk swears vengeance on that guy from Tumblr who somehow beamed from Earth to the Klingon homeworld. Sure, whatever. Fine. Admiral Robocop authorizes Kirk to go on a mission of vengeance, which is totally Starfleet policy, apparently, and shoot the bastard with 72 photon torpedoes. Which is, actually, let's be honest, a bit subtle for the likes of Kirk. <clears throat> so they go do that, but then out of a change of heart at the <laughs> change of heart at the sight of a white dove <laughs> and capture that dude instead. And he ends up being, oh god damn it. Well, I've lost a bet. It's Khan. Yes, that Khan. Scott Zioko, please give me your email address so that I can PayPal you your $10. Khan, who's British now, why not, tells Kirk that the 72 photon torpedoes are filled with those other frozen dudes from Space Seed, because that's where you put frozen dudes, I guess. Meanwhile, Carol Marcus, yes, that Carol Marcus, she's also British now for some reason, I guess they both contracted Sarek's disease, which transforms characters who weren't British into British people. Anyway, what was she doing? Oh, right, stripping down to her underwear. For some reason. I seem to be saying that a lot in this summary. Admiral Robocop comes after Kirk, twirling his mustache and swearing that everything's fine and he's not up to anything shady. So Kirk runs away and Admiral Robocop shoots at him. Then Khan decides to help Kirk and suddenly it's a buddy cop movie and they're space diving over to Admiral Robocop's ship to stop him. Then Khan betrays everyone because of course he fucking does. Spock, apparently too scared to make a decision on his own, calls Star Trek 2 and asks them what they did. Then we proceed to reenact that movie for eight minutes, except this time the Genesis devices, some torpedoes, and Kirk dies in the radiation thing. Yes, he dies. So Spock gets angry, like, somebody said something bad about my mother angry. And he chases down Khan for an action sequence that I'm pretty sure is still happening, even now. (laughs) I don't know. Matt liked it. He did. Then they take Khan's blood and revive Kirk somehow. Yeah, I don't know either. Magic blood, sure. Then Khan and his 72 frozen Hitlers, yes, that would be a good band name, shut up, I don't care, get stuck away in that warehouse with Rosebud and the Ark of the Covenant where there'd be no sequel at all. 
I hope. Apparently we're starting a whole new bet on that one. Oh, and the Enterprise finally begins a five-year mission, which I can only assume means that we'll be waiting at least half a decade for another goddamn movie. For some reason. <laughs> All right. We're doing this the way we did the uh, the movies prior to this, which is we're both doing a summary. So, Matt, I hope I didn't step on any of your jokes. We haven't seen each other's summaries. So I'm audience, going into this thing blind. Audience, bear with us. The fact that we've written together for seven or eight years means you may hear some of the same jokes again. Yeah. Okay. Take it away, Matt. So the Enterprise is on routine mission to Jack Kirby's for fourth world to stop a volcano from exploding a planet. Like what happens in nature, you know. Kirk and Bones run around messing with strangers while Spock in an Iron Man suit drops a bomb into the volcano to freeze it. You know, like in nature. After some running around, again, the Enterprise jumps out of the ocean and takes off for home. Kirk hoping for that promotion he's been waiting for. Presumably to Super Captain. Instead, Admiral Pike chews him out and busts him down to Commander, realizing that maybe it wasn't such a good idea to put a cadet in charge of the Federation's flagship. Meanwhile, Sherlock Holmes recruits the Tin Dog to blow up Parliament. I mean, some building. Uh, the heads of Starfleet gather in San Francisco, of course, and Sherlock blows that up too, killing Pike. Sorry, Christopher. Looks like you don't get to live on Heaven, heaven Planet after all. Boo. Spock uses math to figure out where Sherlock went. He went to Kronos. And Kirk petitions Admiral Robocop to launch a secret mission. Robocop loads the Enterprise up with secret special non-traceable missile secret death missiles on his ship, and wow, I got completely lost in that one. <laughs> I think you said missiles seven or eight times. <laughs> Robocop loads the Enterprise up with secret special non-traceable missiles and sends them on their way. Unfortunately, Scotty doesn't like the idea of a mysterious secret death missiles on his ship and won't sign for them and resigns from the Enterprise in an actually pretty heartbreaking scene. Also, that weird little oyster guy resigns in a show of solidarity. I love that guy. So Kirk puts Chekhov in charge of engineering, uh -oh, and off they head for the Klingon homeworld. After much running around, running around is a theme in this movie, they capture Sherlock and bring him onto the ship. They shove him in a Hannibal Lecter cage, sending a super boner rippling through Tumblr, and then Sherlock reveals it. Okay, crack open some of those missiles I gave you, they've got my guys in them, and go check out this sector of space for a big surprise, and by the, by the way, turns out I'm con. <sighs> All right, so Kirk calls Scotty back on Earth and sends him to the con coordinates, and Scotty finds a giant black starship and sneaks on board because it's really goddamn easy to sneak onto a secret Starfleet project. And then Admiral Robocop takes the USS Black Pearl out to meet the Enterprise, and Khan tells everyone how Robocop found his pods floating in space and defrosted Khan and got him to build him a weapon so that they could fight Nero if he ever comes back out of that black hole he was in. Remember that? Matt, honey, take a breath. And then Robocop calls and gr Kirk grills him, and Robocop tries to blow up the Enterprise because he's a dick like that. But luckily, Scotty's disarmed the Black Pearl's giant Battlestar Galactica-shaped guns, so instead Kirk and Khan go over to the Black Pearl in spacesuits, which is pretty awesome. And then Khan kills Robocop and sends Kirk and Scotty back to the Enterprise so they can fight him later because that's how movies work. And then Kirk has to go down into the ship's engines to get them restarted and pause the movie. Okay, go watch Wrath of Khan. Got it? Okay, good. Now imagine the entire movie in about ten minutes and only Kirk dies instead of Spock. Great, all right. So Khan crash lands on Earth, grabs a shawl, and runs off. Spock beams down to go and kill the fuck out of him, and then they fight on those flying things from Revenge of the Sith. Or from Revenge of the Sith. And then Bones realizes that Khan's magic blood can bring Kirk back to life, so they send Ahura down, and she gets Spock to stop killing Khan, and they use his blood to bring Kirk back, but he comes back wrong and stabs Denise Karazbi in a shocking twist. The end. Did you just compare Khan to Armus? Yeah. All right, that's fine. That's fair. Um, it's obviously been a long time since we've had to summarize something so big and eventful because yeah. we both had to read a lot of run-on sentences and, and a lot of mishmash and a lot of taking breaths. So then something else happens and someone goes over here and then something else happens too. Right. 
Bear in mind, we saw, we saw this movie for the first time um, last night. Last night, it is now twelve thirty. We got out of that movie at nine, so it's it's been about fourteen hours, yeah. fifteen hours since we walked out of that movie. We did happen to get a copy. Of, oh, fuck, we downloaded it illegally. Okay, yeah, do something about it. Yeah, oh, you can't. Oh no, you can't. Well, you might be able to. But... Oh crap, the FBI's here. Oh well, we gotta go. Um. I think it would be the the MPAA. They don't like it, but mm. listen, when we're important enough, people will just give us screener copies because yeah. they want to know what we think. In the meantime, we'll get George Lowe to be our, our lawyer. Yes. <laughs> That's a reference to our other show, Sarcastic Voyage, which you should be listening to. Please. Um, we do have a lot of thoughts, but the problem is we... It, it's hard to be impartial this soon after seeing it again. Yeah. Honestly, last night, I was a little... That third act. Yeah. I was little... It left a bad taste in my mouth to the extent that I was worried that I didn't like the movie. And that was not the case at all. No. It, first of all, it's excellent. It is. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't know that I would say the movie is excellent. It had a lot of, it had a lot of excellent parts. I can't tell yet if the whole was excellent. I've seen it twice now. I'm going to say I like it. Yes. No, I like it. Mm. But the movie... The complete movie, yeah, as taking a... into account that third act, mm. which, as we both said, was basically Wrath of Khan. Yeah, that's well, the that's the problem. Is well, we'll get we'll get to it. In fact, why don't you just read your bad thing now? Because yours and mine sort of go together. All right, and we have plenty of good things to say. Let's get the bad things out of the way first. All right. So one of the things that Star Trek One did really well was that they brought back Leonard Nimoy as Spock Prime. Now they used him perfectly as a bridge between New Trek and Old Trek. And one of the things that I was adamant about when that movie finished was that we should never, ever see him again. He should be like Bones or Scotty in Next Gen, just gone. If you want to use him again, that's what the Expanded Universe is for. So I was really angry when Spock calls him up at the end of, uh, at the end of this one to get the lowdown on what Khan is. We've introduced our new crew, and now it's time for them to start ex succeeding on their own. They can't always be calling Grandpa to, be to bail them out of the any of their mistakes. It makes our guys look weak, and it keeps and it keeps comparisons with old Trek alive. Now, of course, you're always going to get those comparisons, but now you're making me think about them while I'm watching the movie, and that's not cool. Trek is far enough along now that bringing Spock Prime is just fan service, and that the movie already wallows in that way too much. I don't think that it does a bit too much. I think Spock pushes it over and i think the wrath of khan stuff pushes it over but yeah. the rest they name check nurse this Chapel. is what this is what i'm talking about is but all of the the yeah. wrath of khan which is which stuff. is mine i'm I'm good i got my screen here. Oh, all right um there are eight minutes of this movie i counted that need to be sliced the fuck out i saw wrath of khan it was pretty great mm -hmm. but we don't need to see it again even if we're doing bizarro wrath of khan with kirk for spock Take off the training wheels, guys. You can tell your own story without help honestly you yeah. can we thought the whole point of the Nero thing was clean slate. Let's go do some stuff. And I believe it was our pal Flonk who first said, and, and I've definitely adopted this uh, this stance since then, it's a great excuse to retell shitty stories. Yeah. You go back to something like the Apple or uh, Plato's Stepchildren. Not that. You can't fix that <laughs> Please, one. God, let's never go back to Plato's Stepchildren. But, we don't have a bucket that big. <laughs> but without a list in front of me, I can't think of all the bad ones. But Well, the, the, the comic, as we've talked about, has done an excellent job of taking really shitty scripts and making them has. into excellent new it adventures. absolutely has. But it also has taken good episodes and made them different. Yes, which is also good. It took the Galileo 7. It took uh, Trouble with Tribbles. A few, a few really good episodes and just showed how things are different now. But the point is, 
Just, One, you could retell those. Two, you could do an entirely different new story. Yeah, but instead they've just they've taken this big slice out of Wrath of Khan and basically just stapled it into the end of the movie. They flip the characters around, but well, there's full lines from the section that are just right out of the movie. Let's talk about exactly what they did. Like I said, I want to get this bad stuff out of the way because there's so much good stuff to talk yeah. about. They they the ship is damaged. Uh, the ship out of danger. Um <laughs> The ship is damaged, and they can't defeat Khan unless uh, something in a highly radioactive area is knocked back. They basically have to get the engines working again. Right. Otherwise, the ship's going to crash into the uh, Earth. And it's a physical thing. It's a thing you have to go and bang back into place. Yeah. Like, bang with your hips. And the only person who can bang things that way is Kirk. Yeah. Um, so he goes in this thing, and, and Bones isn't there, but I think it's Chekhov who says, you'll flood the whole compartment, which is the same. Yeah. You know. I don't know. No, it's Scotty, because you've you got to get down here. Yeah, that's later. Uh, you can't survive. It's it's too uh, it's too radiationy. I think is how they say. It. Yeah, there, there's way too much more radiation. You're not. It's not like you're gonna get turned into the Hulk or something. No, you're just gonna die. Which would be awesome. That would be awesome, but that's a whole separate movie. Yeah. Um, which I want to see. Hulk smash puny con. <laughs> but uh, he goes in there. He fixes the ship, and then he's got you know horrible radiation, whatever. And he's going to die. And Spock comes down and they talk through the glass mm. and they do the live long and prosper thing. And and then Grandpa Spock says, oh, the way we defeated him was giving him exactly what we wanted, what he wanted. And so they beam the torpedoes over and blow them up, which yeah. is just what they did with the Genesis device. So eight minutes of Wrath of Khan, the, the third act of yeah. Wrath of Khan. It's so sloppy. It's so lazy. Yeah. It's, guys, we all loved that movie, but and let's move on. The pro one of the other problems is that the bits that aren't out of Rath aren't from Rathacon in that Kirk death scene are like really well done. They like, are. I'm the scared, two, Spock. The two of them are acting their little hearts out and yeah. Kirk's really good in that scene. He is. Chris Pine does not get enough credit. He carries that character so yeah. well. But Every time they go back to another Wrath of Khan quote, yeah, then you're like, oh, right. It pulls you out of the movie, yeah, and you can't you can't take a character death like that that seriously. Well, we knew they weren't killing him anyway. That's the thing, but I shouldn't be thinking that during the movie. I should be in the movie, yeah, you know. You're right. The well, like the point the point of, of it is to be watching it and just thinking how like you know how are they going to are, are they really killing him off? Are they get, uh, you know yeah killing like like. Just bringing in old quotes and stuff. Now I'm thinking about that. Right. And the thing is, it's cute when they do a one-off. Mm -hmm. When they do a quick little nod. There's a great bit with, uh, well, Scotty's quit, like you said. Yeah. We'll talk more about Scotty in a few minutes. Um, and so someone has to take over in engineering. And uh, they say, Chekhov, you've been shadowing Mr. Scott, right? Well, you're in charge now. Put on a red shirt. And there's a great pause. They don't milk it too much. No. But he looks a little nervous, and the in-story reason is he's nervous because he's got to take over engineering. Mm -hmm. But we're seeing someone who's being told to put on a red shirt, and he's nervous. And yeah. it's like, hee-hee, you know, you know what that's about? I leaned over to Al and go, we're going to get to see Chekhov shot again. Again, over and over and over. <laughs> but it's those things that we like, and that was, was low-hanging fruit enough that the audience, like the broad general yeah. audience, would get that. Because everyone knows red shirts die. Yeah, exactly. They wrote a book about it. Yeah. Or... um. There's a reference to uh, Nurse Chapel, mm -hmm. where uh, Carol Marcus says, yeah, I, I, I know Christine Chapel. Uh, you hooked up with her, and now she's off in the frontier becoming a nurse thanks yeah. to you. No, stuff like that is awesome. You know, it, yeah. like, it, it's there for us, the, you right. know, the hardcore Trek fans, but other people can enjoy it, too. And it doesn't. It doesn't take you out of the, out of the movie. No, instead, it's like, oh, yeah, that guy exists in this world. Mm -hmm. Cool. 
or whatever. But now it's like, like there was a great subtle thing when they go into the London archives and it's called the Kelvin Memorial yes. Archives. No, I love stuff like that. Yeah, tiny little details. But then, yeah, let's reenact Wrath of Khan with these guys who are not the original crew, yeah. who you finally have accepted as their replacements. No, remember these guys? Remember DeForest Kelly? Remember Nimoy? Remember yeah. Shatner? Well, too bad. They're, these guys are not them. Yeah. It's just, and like the other thing is, you bring, now if you're bringing like old Spock into this, all it, all that does is draw my attention to you know why Khan's different now, and like it just it starts picking holes in the movie that I otherwise wouldn't think about. Well, and my main thing really was that that just proves that these guys are kids who can't solve their own problems. Exactly, and they like that's why I made that joke. They had to call the other movie, yeah, to say help. How do we get out of this? Yeah, and that's not cool. It's, it's just it's it's really ridiculous, and it's it cheap. Is. It is very cheap, and it's not hard to like. It's honestly not hard to find another way for them to figure out. First of all, it's not hard for them to figure out the cons up to up to no good. Right. He fucking killed Pike. You know, and we don't need to be ex we don't need to be led by the hand that the villain is the villain in this movie. And they figured out that he was Hitler. Yeah. Which we keep pointing out is the best comparison to this guy. Mm -hmm. It's that's why we make the joke that uh, Doctor Noonien Soong is basically Doctor Hitler. Yeah. Like it's. You can't trust the guy. I don't know why. You know. On the other hand, I think it would have been cool dramatically. While Kirk never would completely trust him for killing his dad, mm. I think it's cool that briefly they were they were friends. Yeah. They were working together, which is a total departure from their normal relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. But like, it would have been really interesting if they had gone in the direction of uh, making RoboCop into sort of the actual. Well, and villain. he was a big villain. He, he was, yeah, but like he wasn't, you know. Sp Spock's not picking fights with him on a speeding right. uh, red dwarf. Yeah. Um, and let's be clear, he wasn't some kind of cyborg. This guy. We keep calling him RoboCop because Peter Weller played him, but he was a normal yeah. guy. I mean, Peter Weller's played other people too. I just can't think of any. Uh, he was in, I believe, Buckaroo Banzai, which people oh, will yell at us for not knowing, but I don't know. Or I care do. That's before. the worst part. I do know Buckaroo Banzai. I love uh, that movie. Well, Peter Weller's in that. Mm. He Peter Wells the hell out of the place. He's yeah. also uh, Dark Knight Returns Batman. Oh, so he in was. The, uh, in the new animated movies. Right. No, yeah. that was, he was good in that, as yeah. I recall. Um, but yeah, it's it feels like... The problem is they needed a villain that had personal, like a personal relationship with Kirk. You need mm -hmm. someone who isn't just villain of the year. Yeah. You need someone... And my original thought, which I've been hinting at this whole time on the show, and I didn't want to talk about, it, and it still sounds ridiculous, is the most personal villain of all would be what if Pike turned? Yeah. What if Pike somehow became evil or at least had a an understandably agenda that was against Kirk's? Mm -hmm. And Kirk was forced to go after him because that's really, as I understand it, Heart of Darkness. I've never read yeah, it. Yeah, that was the, well, I mean, that's, if nothing else, it's Apocalypse Now, so. Yeah, which the gist of it is you have to go after your old commanding officer and stop him from what he's doing, yeah. which is hurting people or whatever. The the idea of having, of completely erasing the Peter Weller character. Yeah. You, all of the stuff that he does, the trying to create a war with the Klingons. Right, right. Trying to, you know, preparing for another sort of Nero level right. a attack. And that's the whole thing. This whole universe now is freaked out because Nero happened and they're all like arming up for worse stuff. Which is kind of sad considering how pathetic Nero is. Yeah, but he did wipe out half a Starfleet. That's true. But anyway. But j replacing 
Peter Weller with Pike, making him this like making him turn into this guy who you know is crip- was crippled by Nero, was tortured by Nero, yeah. and now he'll do anything to protect the Federation from from and, whatever else is out there. And we'd be sympathetic with him because we, we if it was written correctly, yeah. which these guys know their way around the characters, yeah. But and then Kirk would have to deal with fighting his mentor, killing his father figure, all mm-hmm. that. Which would have been great drama. That was my crazy million to one yeah. theory, especially since the last round of trailers emphasized Pike a lot. Absolutely, I'm proud of you, but you break the rules. Blah blah blah. Yeah, and that ended up being because he was a huge part of the story in that Kirk's mentor dies, which is another direction mm-hmm. you can go with the whole mythological hero's journey thing. Yeah, well, we were talking about that when we walked out of the theater. Yeah, it's Just, like it's like well, there were there were there were two choices for the second movie: either he's the villain or he's going to die. Either way, Pike doesn't make it through this one, or you write him out entirely. Yeah. He's not just going to hang around forever is the thing. Yeah. But I mean, I love Pike. He's seriously like I joke, but I loved him so much. He was one of my favorite yeah. things about the first movie. And I love his relationship with Kirk. I love that Kirk would have been totally directionless mm-hmm. without him. And I love that he showed up and substituted for his father who had died yeah. before he was born. And he's a great character. And this is classic. Bleh. Classic mythology. Oof. Oh, that was just super. That was fantastic. Um, it's classic mythology mm. that uh, you lose your mentor. It's uh, Star Wars is the thing they always hold up as as the basic illustration of the hero's journey. Which but I mean, is that's Obi-Wan just because yeah, you, yeah. But I mean, that's just because Star Wars is so written around that sort of classic, and it's relatable. Everyone knows. Yeah, Obi Wan has to die for Luke to emerge from his shadow and become his own guy, and that's exactly what has to happen with Kirk. Yeah, and that is what happens. Um. But on the other hand, uh, between Khan and Admiral Robocop, it's it's not that personal. Yeah, Khan killed Pike. But, I mean, that just makes it into, you know, sort you of a revenge my father, thing. prepare to die. Yeah, exactly. Which is, okay, I've seen that story. That's a fine story. Yeah. But it's uh, Kirk, I don't know, Kirk seeking revenge, we've done that already. He's still, you know, he's still just a dude who came out of a, who comes out of a tank to ruin stuff, you know? Right. Like... It definitely is. It's, it's just much more personal if you use the relationships that are, you've already been building. But we shouldn't talk about what movie we wanted to see. That's true. We really, Although we do do that on supplemental episodes we a bit. Do, which is fine, but this particular one yeah. focuses entirely on this movie. Yeah. Actually, we have some mail after this, but beyond that. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually I'm a little worried we're getting away from the fact that it's actually a really good movie. It, it, well, that's why I wanted to cover the bad things first. Yeah. And the bad thing is essentially we both said the third act. Yeah. The way everything gets wrapped up is really sloppy. It's really, hey, remember this movie? Well, if not, we're going to shove it down your throat. Mm -hmm. So we've said that. We've said the Wrath of Khan stuff was too much. We've said reusing Khan was a little sloppy. Let's put that aside and now talk about all the stuff we loved because there is a lot. Okay, so I'm going to start off. There are so many great action sequences in this movie. From the very beginning, when we have Kirk and Bones running away from a bunch of of Jack Kirby's Fourth World natives, <laughs> um, to the end with uh, with Spock fighting Khan on the flying red dwarf ship, they definitely had a very similar design. Yeah, big blocky red looking thing. Anyway, right. like the the action sequences in this are so well executed. There's a bit about halfway through when they go to Kronos. Which they spelled wrong, but I'm not going to dwell on. <laughs> Matt, Matt leans over to me and says, it's not K-R-O-N-O-S, it's Q-apostrophe. Yeah, okay, Matt. I had moments like that, too. I'm not just saying he's the only <laughs> one, but uh, that was funny. It's not how you spell Kronos. 
<laughs> but no, so like there's a great sequence when they're the entire time they're on Kronos is awesome. There's a great uh, there's a great scene when they're getting chased by a uh, sort of I guess it's like a Klingon fighter jet almost. It had a similar design sensibility to a, a bird of prey. Yeah, but, it but was like it, it it was it's like a personal craft instead right. of like a big uh, big warship. Yeah, but it's got the retractable wings like um like in Star Trek Four when you yeah. could see that the bird of prey could lift off from a. Uh, from an atmosphere by lifting its wings, um, and it had sort of the front oval pod. Yeah. And then we have, like, this fight with the Klingons in, like, I guess they're ancient Klingon ruins or something. Yeah, I don't know. But we get to see the Klingons for the first time without their helmets, and I really dug that. It's just, it was it was just, a, like, a lot of really awesome, well-done uh, uh, action sequences. Here is the thing that I think these guys do. I could be wrong. They have described their process as they make a big list of what they want to see in a Star Trek movie mm -hmm. and they try to write a script with that. My theory is when they do that, they then divide it up into categories and their main priorities are character first. You can tell yep. they understand these characters. They totally get that Kirk has that need for constant stimulation. He's got that. Actually, they mentioned in uh, 2 when they first got his shit together and said, this is what he is. Let's pull all this inconsistent stuff together and make this. Uh, Nick Meyer said it was... Uh, Sherlock Holmes, because yeah, apparently he there's stuff be... in the Sherlock stories where he tries to retire. Yeah, he can't. Like he he's can't. he's physically he has to be doing something or else he right. lies on the couch and wants to kill himself. Right, and that's Kirk becoming an admiral in two. That's why he hates it. Yeah, and that's an essential part of the character. He's always got to be moving. He's always got to be doing things, and that's mm -hmm. one of the things they get. He's a big cheater. That's another thing that they like. They totally have a handle on him. Yeah, Spock's constant war. The fact that he's not passionless, that he's got this incredible rage underneath, but that he's trying to keep it under control. Bones making wisecracks. <laughs> but really, Kirk and Spock. Everyone yeah. comes for Kirk and Spock. We wish Bones had more to do, which he did, but we'll get to that in yeah. a sec. Um, but overall, they totally get the characters. And the ones that never had anything to do, they flesh those out. They give them something to do. Again, we'll come back to this in a sec. But Scotty... We got more and better Scotty in this oh, than we God. got. We got so much fucking Scotty in this movie. It we was had awesome. Seventy nine episodes with Scotty in them, and he we never got this no. out of him. It was even relics, which we talked about a few weeks ago, didn't have as much good Scotty stuff as this yeah. had. He's just and fucking Simon Pegg is brilliant as yeah, Scott. Yeah. Like I love that actor. Yeah, but he is so good as but Scotty. We, we know him mostly as a, as a comic actor. Yep, and he definitely has some funny stuff here, but he also has some you know some serious stuff. This is actually we can put my quote in here if you want. Yeah, because yeah. he's just great. Do you want to do you want to set up what this is about? This is um I talk about it briefly in my summary but th uh basically uh Kirk has been ordered to load these these missiles onto the ship and they don't know what's in them. They can't scan through them and he's under orders not to ask any questions about them and Scotty will not allow them on the ship. Right. And it, like he's really upset that apparently we're now a secret we're now on a secret mission of Well it was it was that but it was more this is going to fuck with my engines. Yeah. There's stuff in here that like no my my engineering has to be completely under my control. You yeah. can't bring this stuff in here. Yeah, and then he resigns, and it's awesome. Yeah. Letting those torpedoes on board the Enterprise is the last straw. What was the first straw? What was the... There are plenty of straws. How about Starfleet confiscating my transwarp equation, and now some madman's using it to hop across the galaxy? Where do you think he got it from? Orders, Sky. That's what scares me. This is clearly a military operation. Is that what we are now? Because I thought we were explorers. For the torpedoes, that's no order. Right, well, you leave me no choice but to resign my duties. Oh, come on, Scotty. 
You're giving me no choice, sir. You're not giving me I no choice. Damn, I am. Do you accept my resignation or not? I do. Which is which is fantastic, and it made me realize they don't just know Kirk and Spock. They know what all these guys are. Yeah. It's his it's his little world. Mm-hmm. This is mine. And in fact, when he's gone and they hear he hears that the engineer or yeah, the Enterprise is crippled. What did you do to my ship? <laughs> It's like we talked about when we did uh, uh, Trek 1. These guys have a way of capturing not the characters that were there, but the characters you remember were there. Or someone like Uhura who has absolutely no character whatsoever Mm -hmm. and giving her something to do. Or Chekhov. Yeah, exactly. Or even Sulu. Um, But I think their top priority is character. Again, this is a total guess. Yeah. Second priority is action. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think they make a list of action sequences they wanted to see mm-hmm. diving out of a an airlock to the airlock of another ship r- jumping across flying cars whatever yeah i think that to me is above story i wish it wasn't i don't care about action sequences at all i understand why they're there they're there for you but more importantly they're there for your general audiences who want to see stuff explode yes which is i fine. want something to clap my hands at i understand and i'm not I'm not taking digs at you. I get bored. Mm-hmm. When I wrote comics and now when I write stuff, I say three pages of fights, this guy wins. Moving on. <laughs> I don't care. I seriously couldn't, unless unless there's something particularly interesting about it, mm-hmm. which to me there rarely is. That's why I don't like kung fu movies. I just don't like constant fighting with no character development or story. See, this is where we differ. And I'm not saying I don't love story, you know, like, obviously. No, but I think your but, priority is more action as well. But, like, this is cool and I want to look at it. I watch it more as... Uh, you. We talked about this earlier. Well, when we were in the car, not uh-huh. earlier for these people. <laughs> I was recording you, Matt. Did you realize? I At this point, I've realized that you record basically every conversation we've ever had. Pretty much. Um, that I think you watch it more as a fan, and I don't mean that as a casual... No, no, I You're totally, not as I, into this. I totally follow what you mean. You you watch this as a very dedicated, very invested fan. I watch it as a writer. Mm-hmm. I look at things as a writer, and that's why I say things like in the third act, yeah. character arc. These are not complicated concepts, and other people think of them, but these are the things I look at first. Yeah. Because that's how I watch it. And when you're watching an action sequence, nothing's happening story-wise. Mm-hmm. I don't care. What I want to know is who wins. That's pretty much all that matters to me. Yeah. And so I get bored. But... If you're a fan of action sequences, what Matt's saying is they're really well put together. They're pretty fucking awesome. And the thing about that is these guys, I think, do put a list together, and they try to come up with unique things you haven't seen before. And there's a couple you have, but there's a lot you haven't, which is very cool. Mm -hmm. I'll give them that. I do not agree with you on the Klingons. I love them. I thought they were so friggin' cool. I like... No, 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 no. The Klingons being there were cool. Their helmets. Yeah, you cool. don't. You didn't like the, the look design of, that of one, them, though. Cause... Well, we only saw one take off his helmet, yeah. and I thought he looked kind of stupid. Yeah, no, I, I was fine with it. I thought it was sort of in, sort of almost in the vein of when they showed up in motion picture. Yeah, they did look a bit like that. when it's like, well, this is a new thing. We have more money. They evolved again. Uh sure. Now we're not going to get something like you know we're not going to have Enterprise in twenty years trying to explain. Well, these guys look like this, but this is this. They just they took. What was there? They took the Klingons they had and sort of enhanced them a little bit. They, he, well, and, and we say they. Really, we only saw the one. Yeah. He had blue eyes. He didn't have really any visible hair. He had ridges. He looked like a cool alien, but he just didn't look. If I saw him in a Star Trek thing, I would not immediately assume that's a Klingon. He really? Different enough to me that he didn't look Klingon to me. No, I, I, I totally got Klingon from that. Fair enough. Um, I also think, okay, 
I like Klingons. I don't mind them going to Kronos exactly. Mm. I thought it was very contrived in this. Benedict that that's just where he ended could up. have just as easily beamed anywhere else. He mm. beamed to the Klingon homeworld just so that we could spend time with Klingons. They had nothing to do with the story whatsoever. It was just, let's shoehorn some Klingon stuff in here. And again, I liked it. I don't want to say that I didn't like yeah. it, but it just didn't feel like it needed to be there. My my thinking had been that uh, Peter Weller was trying to start, like, that was no, part right. of his plan to start a war with the Klingons. You're, you're right. Like, he talks about how it war is inevitable, and I assume, like, him taking com- command of it means that he, like, they've got a better shot at it. I, at winning I, it, I, 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 I'll give you that. I there was a reason for it. I, I don't know. It just felt like you said, "What are the things people like most?" Wrath of Khan and Klingons. Yeah, and that's what they put in there. I, I guess it's because just seeing Klingons and fighting Klingons doesn't interest me. I want to see you something see, about their culture. Yeah, exactly. I want a Klingon to speak. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that they brought Ahura on that mission mm-hmm. because she's the only one who speaks Klingon. I like that they don't, as much as, they kind of ignored a lot of technical limitations. You can just call someone from anywhere in the galaxy. Yeah. No, when uh, when they're out in the middle of friggin' nowhere and they, when they're, when they're in Klingon space and Kirk call, basically calls Scotty on the phone. Right. To ask him for a favor. It's a little ridiculous, or beaming from one planet to another. Yeah. We had that in the, in the first one and I was willing to just say whatever. And mm-hmm. again, I'm. I need to make it very clear. I loved this movie. Yeah, I'm nitpicking because this is what we do. Mm-hmm. But overall, I quite liked it. This is. But I want to make sure I'm not saying oh, I hated this. I hated this. Yeah. But the fact that you can beam from one planet to another seems you need to put limits on the technology. Mm. You got to make it so that you can't just magic your way out of everything. And they seem to just magic their way out of everything. See, that didn't bother me just because then we have Scotty being like, "Well, I'm pissed about this." Because they took my they took my technology, right? And somehow this guy got it, and he used it to kill people. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know. I was going somewhere with this, and I forget now. Oh, about the limitations of technology. Well, if there's no limitations on technology, they can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, but prior to that, I was talking ah. about something that actually did have limitations, which I liked, and I don't remember. Oh man, it's, it's not important. Now we're doomed. <laughs> We did see that Praxis has already exploded, the, the moon from Six. That captured my imagination in the way that Vulcan exploding in the first one captured my imagination. Because now it's like ramifications, ramifications, ramifications. The thing is, it comes off as we don't know what happened in which order, and look, the Klingon moon exploded, why yeah. not? Whereas, if I think it out as a fan, okay, everyone's scared of Nero. He decimated their uh, their fleet, and so now he's building up like crazy. Uh, they are mm-hmm. building up like crazy to the point where they overmine Praxis and it blew up way before. Yeah. I can see that happening, but from the outside it comes off as... From the outside it comes off as just like a neat... This is a reference to the yeah. Klingon planet and we don't care what comes in which order. But it also looks cool, so... Again, I'll take that. Cool. Yeah, it does absolutely look And I just cool. spend the entire... As soon as that happened, it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. So the one thing that that kept these two these two races together is just gone now so that that's it we now have a a much scarier like much less likely to hook up with us and be friends again race of klingons right and but again we don't know anything about their culture that's true oh i remember what i was getting at technology wise Mm. there is as far as i can tell no universal translator which I like. That's I don't know. interesting. I never thought of that. Well, we don't see it. What happens is that gives Uhura this whole role of not just running the f- telephones, yeah. but being this linguist. And we saw her 
in the first movie speaking three different dialects of Romulan, and now she speaks Klingon as yep. well. And I would guarantee she speaks a bunch of other ones in addition to that. Yeah, absolutely. Which is fantastic. That's really interesting. That never occurred to me before. First of all, like I say, it gives her something to do. But second of all, when you get to Kronos and they they call over on the radio and you just hear this alien gobbledygook. And I think they deliberately sort of muffled it so that even the super nerds in the audience who speak Klingon don't exactly know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's a little extra scary. Yeah. You're in this place. If you get caught, it's going to mean war. But beyond that, it's just a scary place. And then it's like, like, uh, what? I don't even know what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And then Uhura does. It's like this whole extra, like, I like that. I like that because it makes it more alien. Yeah. It's like we talked about this when we covered uh, The Chase. Everyone looks human. It's kind of boring. But if you make things a little more alien in other ways, it makes it less like you're just visiting people. Yeah, it, it's less obvious. You can cover up the sort of limitations by doing something like that. Right. And as far as I can tell, <coughs> they have no uh, they have no prime directive. Yeah. Or no prime directive. No, they have a prime directive. <laughs> well, no. As far as I can tell, Kirk has no prime directive. No. Uh, they have no universal translator, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Maybe they lost the technology with... The Kelvin. It was on maybe, the Kelvin. Yeah, yeah, who knows? Who cares? Unfortunately, as we have pointed out before, uh, Bacula's Enterprise is the only thing that survived. Uh, and we're walking around um, Starfleet headquarters or wherever they are, and there's a model of that Enterprise, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to reach in and smack them. On the other hand, there was a fantastic callback, which ends up being part of the story that they happen to be talking about in the same scene, which is Section 31. Yes, that was awesome which we haven't gotten to this on the show yet in our episodes yeah but it's it's revealed during the dominion war on deep space nine that uh starfleet has a cia mm-hmm. they have this this secret organization within that starfleet been around since the federation was founded right they actually deal with that on enterprise for mm. better or worse yeah uh because you have to show how everything started uh uh-huh. you can't just have a thing uh in any case um and they mention it here they mention the war's you know, we're we're gearing up for wars and we have this secret branch of Starfleet. That's at the beginning, Khan was masquerading as this dude John Harrison. Yeah. And he worked for Section thirty one. Apparently Admiral Robocop was uh striking out into space where the Enterprise would have gone, found Khan's ship, defrosted him, and said, You help me Build me some weapons and I'll right. give you your guys back. Yeah, throw me the idol and I'll throw you the whip. They never fall for that. Never You're never going to get the goddamn whip. Yeah, it never happens. Whip. Um, but it was cool because it was one of those you don't need to know about it things. Mm. But Matt and I, when they said Section 31, we're like, eee! yeah, it was fantastic. Um, and then it just turned into, please let the villains be Section 31. Please let the villains be Section 31. Well, it please kind of was. Section 31. Because Admiral, his actual name was Admiral Marcus because he ends up being Carol Marcus's yeah. dad. Um. Admiral Marcus was part of Section 31, yeah. and so was Khan. So, in a way, they were. Mm-hmm. But Khan. It was, yeah. It was fine. Putting Khan in, it's always going to overshadow everything, because yeah. it's fucking Khan. And they only revealed it two-thirds of the way through the movie. Yeah. That was always my... the Once I found out that it, that it was Khan, that really struck me as weird, just that you would decide to do that... But then make then cover it up as much as they did, like make it a huge deal that no one knows who this guy is supposed to be. Well, and I actually in the story that's kind of how it is. Mm-hmm. I think Abrams was a genius marketing wise for we didn't know. No, we didn't know until we went into the movie. The only thing I knew 
asking one of my British friends, and to, to their credit, it wasn't the Gavs. They wouldn't say a word to me. It was their friend Stephen who said, I asked him, did I lose my bet? That's all I wanted yeah. to know. Did I lose my bet? And he says, yes, you did. That could have meant anything. Mm -hmm. My bet, for the record, was that the story has absolutely nothing to do with Khan, his guys, the eugenics wars, anything. Yep. Anything to do with that, that they would not be that lazy, that they would do their own thing. And for all I knew, they thought out a different guy or, you know, any number of things. But I didn't realize it would just be Khan. Yeah. And that was a bit disappointing. But... On the other hand, you were right about it not being the Enterprise that crashes at the end, so... That's true. That's plus. But <laughs> what I was saying is Abrams... We didn't like. We had no way of knowing mm -hmm. the the Enterprise crashing, like you said. Yep, I, it looked like it. He misled us a lot. Yeah, he really did. Like, there's all these scenes in the trailers where you've got Khan talking about the seventy. Like, it sounds he's talking about the seventy two pods they've got. Yeah, but he but says, it sounds like he's talking about seventy two secret guys on the crew. Yeah, like there's seventy two of them on your ship. Like, right there's now. all of this stuff that keeps you you guessing, which is really hard to do these days. You know. Yeah. I think, I can't believe we're coming back to Khan when we're trying to talk about the good stuff, but... Well, he did loom very large over this movie. I thought he was too perfect a villain. I thought he was physically, he could not be beaten. Mm -hmm. He just, everything about him was just too perfect. There's a, once they capture him, there's a scene where uh, where Kirk just wails on him. Yeah. And he just sits there and takes it. Mm-hmm. Which I really liked, but apparently you did not. I not so much. Yeah. No, it's just like okay, I get it. He can't take abuse. Mm. I, I, that's fine. Also, I realized why I like his voice because he basically sounds like Alan Rickman. He does basically sound like Alan Rickman. And I don't get why people think he's attractive. At I all. will crawl over your cold corpses, right. Mr. Potter. <laughs> what was it you said, Mister American Cowboy? Klingon bastard! You killed my son. <laughs> Also, okay, once again, and I'm not going to dwell on this, eugenics is not genetics. That's they, they, they didn't bring it up nearly as much. They just said he was genetically altered in this. Like, yeah, I, I know. Like, I don't, I don't remember hearing the word eugenics no. once in that movie. No, me So, neither. fuck it. But that's all I'm going to say about that. His magic blood, let's talk about that. Yeah. He... I sometimes wonder if movies know how blood works. I don't think they do. Well, his blood supposedly has these antibodies or whatever. He's got Wolverine healing factor. Yeah. And... Uh, they they inject it into a child early on so that they can... It's he, like it's actually in the... If you've seen the eight-minute preview, that it's right. in there. He's, he helps save this dude's kid, and in exchange, he's got to go blow up this thing in London. Yeah. And we see his blood doing that, and then Bones injects his blood into a Tribble, which apparently there can just be one Tribble now. Apparently there's just one Tribble at all, so... Yeah, I, it, I I assume it's Scotty's from the first movie. Could be. They had it neutered yep. or something. I don't know. Um, but and it and it comes back to life. So those clues were out there. I completely missed it. Yeah. Somehow I was utterly oblivious to the fact that he had magic blood that could bring people back to life. No, as so as soon as I saw that, um, as soon as they take his corpse into sick bay at the end, I'm just like, well, okay, they're gonna inject him with triple. Yeah. No, I I totally missed that. Mm. So. I, but my problem is, and I mentioned this, I don't think I've mentioned it on the show, I have a really hard time, this is just how my mind works, when I watch a movie for the first time, I see the big shiny stuff, I see the superficial stuff, I don't, the part of my brain that analyzes it, that sees it as a writer isn't on yet, mm -hmm. and I don't mean I've turned off my brain and I'm having fun, I mean that I'm just reacting to all the wrong things. When we walked out of that theater last night, I thought I hated that movie, I really did. Wow, really? And because the three of you, we went with Amanda and Kim, 
loved it so much. I didn't want to be that guy, uh-huh. and I was just quiet about it. I was wow. like, yeah, I like this. I didn't I like notice this. that at all. Good, good. Because I didn't want to, like, you guys were so happy, I didn't want to uh-huh. be on your parade. I really thought, hate is a strong word. One to ten, I thought it was maybe a three. Uh-huh. Wow, damn. And now I would say a seven or an eight. Mm-hmm. Like, I it, look, the first movie is quite probably my favorite movie ever. Uh-huh. It's not a great film, but as far as what I want out of a movie, Star Trek movie, it is the best Star Trek movie as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Which people will fight me on that and fucking go ahead. I'm the one with the microphone, asshole. (laughs) But this one was pretty good, and I don't think it lived up to that, which is unfortunate. It could have been better in the way that X Men Two was better than the first X Men, and Spider Man Two was, you know, because like the superhero movies, you get the origin out of the way, yep, and then you can do whatever you want. You can retell stories from the comics, or you can do your own thing, whatever. Mm. And that's sort of the blueprint that I was hoping this would follow. Uh, Dark Knight is another good yep. example. Dark Knight was way better than Batman Begins. And I was hoping, okay, get all the bullshit out of the way in the first one, which, t- bullshit, in my favorite movie. Yep. And then up the stakes, up the ante, make it so much better. And I don't feel like it did that. Again, it's been 15 hours since we saw it. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think that third act is always going to make me feel otherwise. Yeah. Let's get back to the good stuff, though. All right, what else we got to talk about here? Let's... So many things. Okay, my good thing is everything else that Matt didn't mention. I've been doing this lately. <laughs> I basically make a huge list, and whatever he does, I take it off the list. Because <laughs> I don't want to step on your stuff. But I got to... Okay. Um, the uniforms. I was worried in the trailers. They were wearing, like, three different All kinds of uniforms. All sorts of different stuff. And I was like, oh, one of the things I like... And it's so superficial. It's so little. But really... The fact that Kirk's in the gold yeah. and Spock and Bones are in the blue. Well, and... I mean, that was always one of my problems with the first movie is that, you know, he wore that black shirt the entire time. Mm. And I'm just like, put him in the gold. And he I had get to that you got to earn it. No, I get that. But once he had earned it, he should have kept it. Yeah. And he did. For most of the movie, like the, the dress uniform was when he went back to Starfleet Academy. Mm-hmm. I really it. love those dress uniforms, by the way. I do. Too. They look very current military with a slight. Yeah. Update. And I love that the admirals wear the motion picture out, like, yep. uh, outfits. They have um, the, sort the white of and the gray. White with pointer the line down. thingy. Yeah. And, yeah. I like that. I, that. That amuses me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, they were all in their correct colors the whole time. Mm. Uh, Chekhov, like I said, the red shirt. Yeah, he thing, switches over to red. And... Because he's in engineering now. Mm. Um, let's see what else. I got my whole list here. Uh, <laughs> Kirk continues to be a Beastie Boys fan into his adulthood. Apparently he's a big fan of classical music. Which there was literally one or two seconds where you hear Intergalactic on his uh, stereo while he's having sex with... While he's banging two alien girls. Yes. And that's it. But that's all I needed. I didn't want to call huge attention to it. But the fact is, he listened to Sabotage when he was like 10 years old and he was listening to Intergalactic. And I just... They are my favorite thing of ever. And Mm -hmm. putting the two things together just makes me happy. Pointy sideburns. So glad. Just yep. a, a, a tiny thing. Well, that's just burn. that's just Star Trek pointy sideburns. It burns. is. They look stupid. Mm-hmm. But it's Star Trek. It's the future. We all point our sideburns. And then, you know, uh, Uhura still being a linguist. Mm-hmm. The the look of future Earth, we talked about this between ourselves. Um, future London especially. Yeah, th- here's the thing. We, we've talked about before how the only place on Earth in Star Trek is San Francisco. Yeah, we've finally gone someplace else. Yeah, and I love the look of it because... London has this sort of tradi- like traditional look to it well, England that combined has, with... England has this, you know, centuries-old history, and yeah. they like to preserve stuff. They wouldn't have stopped doing that no. in the future. But the idea that they've sort of found a way to, to mesh 
that that yeah. classic look old castles with, and cathedrals with you know 23rd century right. technology it looks really cool and it looks the way it's probably going to look i mean the the design of the future obviously we can't tell yeah but you know they're going to keep certain landmarks around mm -hmm. it's like it's like they figured out how to how to make a society like how to make star trek society more realistic. look like it's naturally evolved right and there was some of that when we went to different parts of san francisco yeah. there was some of that in like even the bars like yeah okay they play our music because mm -hmm. what are you going to do pretend to make pretend to make uh, future music and fail yeah which is what they keep doing i'd much rather they just listen to you know well they could have the jizz band play up when he walks in no <laughs> they could not is it called the jizz band they're jizz whalers that's what they're called let's move on <laughs> Um, those guys, th these guys, uh, maybe just Abrams, maybe the scriptwriters, I don't know, totally get the Enterprise being iconic. Yep. They get, we get this great shot. They're underwater for no apparent reason at the Yeah, beginning. we talked about this afterwards. There's, there's no reason for them to be down there instead of When in they're space. on this, this fourth world planet, as you say. Um, Except. It's know, cool. Yeah. That's it. That's the only reason. Transporters work really weird in New Trek. Have you noticed that? Yeah, they ha they do. Um, it's almost like it's like you have to have line of sight except when you're beaming across the fucking universe. Yeah. And Carol Marcus is trying to run away from being yep. transported, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. Well, at all. it makes more sense than her trying to punch her way out of it. So I guess that's true. Um, but they're hiding underwater while Spock's on his volcano mission mm -hmm. and Kirk and Bones are doing on their running around it. mission. Yeah. Um, stunning monsters which they're apparently supposed to be then riding yeah they're gonna ride that monster i guess so. ride it to freedom al <laughs> apparently um but they're underwater which again makes absolutely no sense mm -hmm. but you get this great sequence at the beginning where the music swells up where bones and uh kirk are swimming back yeah and it's just this nice sort of the two of them going toward the ship it's gorgeous if you had looked over at me watching the movie when that happened you would just see the biggest fucking grin on my face yeah, when they do too. that i love that shit but but the what i'm coming to is the iconic nature of the ship itself yeah. which is when they come out of the water they raise up and you see the saucer you see the nacelles and you're like, ooh, there she is. Mm -hmm. And then they do it again uh, toward the end where they're spinning into Earth's atmosphere and they almost die. Yeah. And they come out of the clouds. They get that we love the Enterprise, which is fantastic. There's when they escape from the uh, when they escape from the planet. Um, from you, Earth? No, for, at the beginning mm -hmm. when they're on the uh, when they're on the planet. Mm -hmm. Um and it rises up and flies away. We get to cut to the fourth world natives. This this was the best. And you see them throwing away the holy scroll that Kirk stole to get them to chase him. Right. And they're drawing a uh, picture of the Enterprise in the dirt, and they're all gathered around worshiping it. Worshiping it. And Al leans over to me and goes, "Yeah, me too, guys. Me too." <laughs> I just it was fantastic. I love that we opened with them doing a totally unrelated yep. thing. Have we talked about that yet? I don't think we have. Which, they're going to be on adventures. They're yeah. They're going to be doing stuff while we don't see them. And I love that everything they do isn't a big epic thing. Sometimes they're just on little missions. Yeah. And it's su it's such an original series adventure to be trying to save this planet that they're... that all they're, all they're supposed to be doing is scanning it. And the I love the idea that the crew finds out that this volcano is going to destroy everything. And they're yeah. just like, well, okay, how do we fix this? And then they go back to Starfleet Academy, or, yeah, back to the Academy, and you think, um, or the headquarters, sorry. 
and you think Pike's going to yell at Kirk for breaking the Prime Directive and making these guys worship him. And he's upset about that, but he's more upset that Spock would go risk his life to pre- prevent this volcano from erupting and saving these people when they were destined to die. Yeah. That's Prime Directive, too. You don't interfere with their culture. You also don't interfere with stuff like that. Yeah. And it's funny to me that he decided, like, like the, Spock decided just as much as Kirk did to break the Prime Directive. Yeah, so we've already, we've already got Kirk's influence on Spock, oh, which absolutely. is awesome. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of this, this movie is about, or a lot of the beginning of this movie is about Kirk being angry at Spock for ratting him out and losing him his command. Well, yeah, I love that ship like a woman. Why yeah. would you do that? And I just, I like, I like sort of the evolution of Spock over this one. Yeah. No, and again, and I haven't had enough time to think all this out, but yeah. in the first movie, Kirk didn't change at all. It was Spock's emotional arc that carried the movie. Yeah. I bet when I get some time to really sit down and think about this, it's going to be the same. Kirk doesn't ever learn anything. No. That's not <laughs> Fucking Pike calls him out on it. Yeah. He cheats and he risks everything. You think the rules don't apply to you. Well, they don't. Yeah. You think you can just take a blind leap into things and it'll all turn out okay. Well, it does. Yeah. That's just how it works mm-hmm. when you're Captain Kirk. Um, But yeah, we start to see that influence on Spock. Yeah. And we start to see Spock's influence on him where he is actually trying to stop and think every now and then, where he is a little more logical, and then he usually just acknowledges the limits of logic and dives in anyway. Yeah, there's the part where um, where uh, he's under orders to kill Khan. Mm -hmm. uh, And And Spock's doing everything he can to say, no, this is wrong, this is not what we're about. And he convinces him to arrest him and bring him back to be to be tried and we figure you know we realize that he probably wouldn't have been like that before yeah but it's a it's a total change for him now Mm -hmm. and it's it's great the influence that spock's had over him is fantastic so let's talk about scotty oh god yes please because we 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 mentioned this briefly before that he had more moments and more stuff than james Dewan ever had he's really kind of the third beetle in this one he is more than bones we got more bones which is one of my other good things yeah we got more of him and we got more of the trio, but he's still, it's still not, like, there was more Scotty in here than There's Bones. a lot, like, Scotty's around for the entire uh, last action sequence, yeah. or second to last action sequence, I should say, aboard the uh, the Vengeance. Yeah, <laughs> there's this great bit where the, the ship is huge, and mm. he's hiding in it and helping them, and he's got to run from one end of it to the other. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> and, uh... and then there's a security guy who's got him, and, you're not small. <laughs> Oh my God! Look at the size of you. But he wasn't. My God, they're throwing him big these days. <laughs> but he wasn't just comic relief. He helped. No, out. he had this huge conscience thing, which, yep. which Matt had in his quote there. He's just—he's great, and you get a real idea of what he's about, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. And like you said, Simon Pegg plays him beautifully. Yeah, and and it's great. Um, I like Tuhura. Uh. My, I, I liked. I also liked her. I my, thought she had lots to do in this. My wife apparently thought that she was a bit weak, mm-hmm. and I don't want to get into all that again. Oof. I brought it up, but I really thought that she was a bit, bit of a badass. Mm. She stabs a Klingon. Yep. She, she pulls a phaser on Khan. Her entire, like her entire thing on the on Kronos is really cool. I think so too. Again, she's the only one who can speak Klingon. She walks to a group of like eight Klingons and, and she, stares them down. And she knows how to deal with Klingons. Yeah, too. she starts talking about honor and yeah. stuff. And at this point. Nobody in the Federation knows about that. The Klingons are just non-human, awful guys. Yeah. And, yeah, which I think is cool. But not everyone agrees with me no. on that. Um, Sulu, we get a nice little nod to Captain Sulu. He, yep. gets, he gets the con a couple of times, and he loves it. Yep, that was really cool. I love the um, 
there's this little there's this sequence where he uh, where he calls up oh uh, yeah Khan to chew him out and it's a really nice sequence where he just like threatens him and then he hangs up and Bones turns over and goes remind me never to piss you off Mr. Sulu yeah he's got a total great like not quite Kirk but still pretty great poker face do not test me or I will shoot you yeah and it's it's fantastic and you can just hear Takei mm -hmm. it's like oh two movies and he gets to sit in the chair what the fuck I fucked the wrong man <laughs> and the right man <laughs> I had a great time. Oh, my. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I'm gay. I thought you were going to say the what? other one. I thought you were going to say the other one. Come on, you pulled out the Takei oh, voice. Oh, well, yeah, it's been a while. Say. I'm tripping balls. Thank you very much. God, I missed that character. <laughs> well. Damn it. Damn it, we need to write some Star Trek sketches. That's fine. I got no problem with that. Um, but Yeah. I don't know. Do we cover all the major stuff here, really? Uh, I'm just looking at the notes now. I have um, a whole bunch of... That's why I end up being a little distracted here. I have handwritten notes, which I don't usually have. I've got the epicness. I like the... Um, we got more of the casual aliens on the Enterprise, which I think oh, is always really so cool. Great. Yeah. There's there's the uh, like this weird sort of robot-y guy. Robot guy is really cool. He's he got was, like... He's got like... um. He's got some kind of like... It's almost like say. he's got an inverted ponytail, if you follow me. Like, there's a thing going into the back of his head, and he's got a cool robot voice. and Some kind of weird implant thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who he is, but I want... He... It's like the old Star Wars thing. It's like, I don't know who you are, but I want to know what your deal is. Well, and the cool thing is, we've had some comic stories now from the IDW series. Yeah. Where we know the backstory of, of Scotty's little guy. I hated Scotty's little guy mm -hmm. at the end. of Like, oh, great. He brought him... So now he's going to be Scotty's comic relief, and Scotty's already the comic yeah. relief. But no, we got his story, and if you haven't read the, IDW, the IDW comics, you should, because there's yes. a lot of great stuff in there. And we got the backstory of that dude, Cupcake. Yep. Come with me, Cupcake, that guy. And he was in this. Yeah. So we saw him, and he's like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah. i got some sympathy for him now. Yeah, no, he, it, it's all just really great stuff, you know? It is. And th there were a lot of the tiny extra guys, like uh, Uhura's uh, backup, like her relief when she goes off on a mission. There's a chick who sits there, and she might have one line, mm -hmm. but she's the same chick as in the last movie. Yep. And it's like, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to find that extra and hire her again. Yeah. But it's so cool that they did. It just, it's it's like I used to say when we did the old the old show. It, it makes the ship look busy. Yeah. And it makes the ship look... Bigger. Big, yeah, exactly. But it also can, makes it look like it's got this crew that's there every day. Right. But, I mean, we can run around the huge new engineering all we want and and it did look great the whole mm. brewery thing and we ran to different parts of it and it's huge and it looks like the way engineering always should have looked yeah but we can do that all day long it still looks big and empty there you got to have these people in it yeah to make it look lived in to make it look full and there was a lot of great stuff in there mm -hmm. uh so i don't know any further business i get the feeling we're going to um Come back to this. Yeah, well, once the DVD comes out, yeah, and, and we can, we've had you know, some time we'll to check think about it. And... Yeah, we'll check out the deleted scenes and all that stuff too. Yeah, definitely. Um, but um, for now, though, I don't know. We really wanted. We really wanted to do a uh, like first impressions. Yes, we're fresh off seeing this thing. Right. Like we wa we watched it again like minutes before we. Uh... Yeah. No, as soon as we f we watched it the second time, it's like okay, let's go. Yeah. Fresh in our heads. Yep. Let's get out of here. And. I don't know. What do you think? One to ten. Like, just off the top of your head. Bearing in mind, this will change. Eight. Really? Yep. I really, really loved it. Yeah. I'll say that. 
seven and a half, eight, yeah. somewhere around there. I don't think it's perfect, but I think the good stuff outweighs the the bad stuff, and it outweighs the stupid moments that get if, reused. If I had to rate the first two thirds of the movie, I would say a nine. Mm. If I had to rate the last part of the movie, I would say a three or a four at yeah. best. But I think I think in the end it balances out to a really good movie and a decent follow up to the first one. Yeah, decent. All right, uh, we got some mail here. Yeah, which we promised we would answer. Um, oh, I have a quote. Actually, oh yeah, you do. Which is a bit of a cop out quote. <laughs> For those of you who weren't at Emerald City, and I'm I'm sure there were plenty of you, um, we uh, at our table at, at the Emerald City Comic Con had a Kirk puppet. Which I, I've talked about this before. When I get a puppet in my hands, suddenly I have all this confidence because I can just be the character, mm-hmm. and I'm not nervous. Me, I'm totally confident uh, puppet. And it was Chris Pine Kirk. I specifically, apparently, went on and on for five or ten minutes about his dreamy blue eyes. You did to the point that that our friend Kim, who who's been on the show many times, um, put it together. Like, okay, fine, I get it. And she put together these blue eyes that actually drew people in. The people yep. said, I saw the. Sh- the, the shine of blue. The, the lens flares. Yes. And I had to... Oh, let's talk about that real quick. There were almost no lens flares. Yeah, just on the bridge. Right. And I had this this puppet. And as people walked by, as I got more into the character, I was like, I can hit on anyone I want. Mm-hmm. So as people walk by, I go, how you doing? Jim Kirk, Captain of the Enterprise. And uh, then this happened in the movie. Find your mission, Spock! That's in space. That's uncharted territory. Think how incredible that's going to be. No, it is. Jim Kirk. Which was great. He says it, and I lean over to Al and just start nudging him. Yeah. there's You didn't need to. I, I got it. And I was so happy. Yeah. So so that happened. All right. On to the questions, which will pull us back to next gen. Um, this is from Scott, and he wrote it almost two months ago. All and right. Scott, unfortunately, you caught us when we were doing some early supplementals and then doing a late supplemental. Yeah. So it was just bad timing. Yeah. So we'll get to this now. Right. Uh. And it's titled, uh, Lack of Growth in Female Characters. Do you think the problem with Troy and Crusher is that they never have any character growth? We see plenty with the male characters, even LaForge, but Troy and Crusher remain static. Why do you think the writers couldn't or wouldn't develop some kind of arc for them? I think a lot of the problem with the female characters in Next Gen is that any growth they have tends to be tends to come through whoever they happen to be boning at the time. Um, it especially happens with Troy, but there is a lot of it with, with Crusher. They very rarely get episodes that are just about them. I would say you're right, except now that we're into season six, most of Troy's growth has come well, circumstantially. We've talked, we, we, we've talked about, about how Troy's been like, yeah. they've really worked hard to get Troy, yeah. uh, cleaned up for in season six. Right. And that certainly happened. Um, and there will be an episode, I believe next week. Where Beverly finally gets to step out of the shadow of of sons and boyfriends. Well, it's it's about fucking time because th- th- that's the problem. The, the the our two our two female characters are just defined by the men they know. Yeah, and they have jobs, important jobs on the ship. Granted, they're both caretakers. Yeah, which doesn't really help the whole. No, that was kind of why it was cool that. Uh, Yar was in charge of the weapons, right? And then when they lost her, like, oh, Ensign Rowe, and Ensign, we haven't seen Ensign Rowe. In no, it's been year. a while since we've seen Ensign Rowe. So yeah. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that neither of those characters are their own characters. They're just reflections of the men the men in their lives. But do you think that's inherently because they're women or just because they're characters they can't really help? I think a lot of it is because they're women. 
I just I think a lot of it is because those characters don't have much going on to begin with. But we've been saying, especially lately, with this run of really good Picard mm-hmm. episodes, with uh, starting with the Inner Light, with um, Tapestry, with uh, most recently um, the Chase. Yeah. And what was the other big Picard episode we had recently? Oh fuck. Um. There's been a bunch. Yeah. There's been a bunch lately, and it made us really Chain realize. Chain of Command. Chain of Command. Yeah. And there was there was another other one. Oh, um, uh, lessons. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I knew there was one we just did. Yeah, and I was trying not to think of it. Luke Solos. Oh, muffin, no. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't catch me. Don't you start up. crying? Because then I'll start crying. <laughs> you didn't catch me tearing up when I was talking about how great the Enterprise was. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, we're realizing, and we've said this before, that it's the Picard show. Yeah. Really, you could say Riker hasn't had any growth. He's had some good episodes. You, that is an excellent point. He's actually, though, I'm wrong. Because when we get to the, I believe it's called Second Chances, uh, the Thomas Riker episode, we'll realize <laughs> right, okay. what old Riker was versus what new Riker was. Mm-hmm. And that is a very deliberate illustration of now him versus old him. Yeah. Uh, Data, we've definitely seen him Data's become gotten more a, human. Data's probably gotten the second amount of growth after yeah. after Picard. It's, it, I kind of get where the movies are coming from at this point, where yeah. it's like it's the Picard show featuring Data. But like Jordy, is Jordy any different? He has a different job. He has a different, a different job, person? and he's actually become a much different character. Have you noticed that? He uh, used to be a lot more outgoing and stuff. He's more. I like, think they realized quiet he was a nerd. Drawn now. But do you think that's character growth, or do you think that's just a change in the way they write him? That's a tough one. I wouldn't know. I don't think he's had any moments where you could say, this is where he changed. Not really, no. So I don't think Jordy has... Uh, who else is there? Worf hasn't changed Worf's, much? I think Worf's certainly grown a little since he showed up. I think most of his growth happens on DS9. Yeah, but I don't think... I think they've given the character more to do, and they've given him good episodes, but I think he's essentially the same guy. Mm. As he was starting in, say, season three. Yeah, I mean, we've given him stuff like having him like the, the his evolution with Alexander has been a big deal. That's on true. That, show. that is true. You're right about from that. Um, I don't know what to do with this to uh, fistful of datas. Yeah, no, you, I, that, you got that, me there. that's a big one. But overall, I'm trying to think. There hasn't been a lot of character growth in anyone except Picard, and to a lesser extent, Data. Yeah. But he's uh, Scott's right to point out that, yeah, the women characters get the worst of it. Uh-huh. Crusher hasn't changed one bit. Troy has finally changed near the end. Yeah. But no, he's right about that. I don't know why. I don't know why, except that we're only left with two female characters who are both caretakers. That's yeah. the only thing I can think of. What do you do with the Doctor and the Shrink? There's not much to they're do. Both, they're very similar, unfortunately. They are. They're very similar while having very, like, you know, they've got their differences, but... End no, of the but, day, they're both... But they're both women who take care of the men. Yeah. They take care of everyone. Mm-hmm. But they're essentially mom roles. Yeah. So you've sort of painted yourself into a corner with soft women who take care of people. Yeah. You, there's not much to do with that. Yeah. Now, they worked on it a lot with Troy Yeah, they tried six, really hard and you could tell. And a lot of it has to do with getting her into a uniform. It makes her into a real person. Well, it started with the uniform. Then you see what she gets up to in her off time and physical yep. data, which is great. Yep. But really, it came came together in Face of the Face Enemy. Face of the Enemy, yeah. Where you see she's got this badass streak in her. Yeah, it just never comes out. And it's, yeah. nice, to, it's nice to see that. Yeah, it absolutely is. Crusher, on the other hand, will go off and fuck a ghost. So, oh. continues to be defined by her relationships. I thought you said fuck a goat. I would watch that episode. I would not watch that episode. Well, 
If it was an official episode, I'd have to. <laughs> because of what I signed up for. Yep. I would n- not want to watch that episode. I'd be counting down until, oh god, next week is the Crusher Fucks a Goat episode. Can I be <laughs> sick this week? Listen, the next bucket episode I have, I'm not taking the bucket off the entire episode. <laughs> also, I'm going to blow my wad on that one early in, in Voyager. I just know it. Uh, don't tell me about your wad. Oh, Amelia Earhart? Clunk. Oh, please, you'll get halfway through Caretaker and put that thing on. No, I remember not hating the pilot. No kidding. I didn't love it, but mm. I didn't hate it. At the time. Who knows now? Yeah. Now that I have the whole back, you know, Yula. backstory mm-hmm. of, uh, what? Bacula. Yes, the whole Bacula thing to look mm-hmm. forward to. Uh... This one comes from our old pal, Duh, and he says, Hi, how are you? I am fine. Quick question. The Countdown to Darkness comics. In your opinion, are they a pass or should I pick them up? I have not read them. I know you have. I dug them. Uh, It ends a little weak, uh, but for the most part, I really like it. Uh, It concerns... um, Actually, they go way more into the sort of Heart of Darkness thing. I was about to ask you, now that you've seen the movie, do they tie into it thematically i know they not that i didn't. noticed i'd have to read it again okay um but from what i know from what i saw they really don't other than sort of having some klingons in there right um what they do do is have uh do what they do what they do have is uh appearance by robert april mm-hmm. which is really cool who officially was non-canonical the first captain of the enterprise who um no, he is canonical because he was in the uh, animated series, yes. depending on how you treat that. Captain before Pike. Yeah. The first captain of the Enterprise. Um, they t- Basically, he sets himself up on a planet that's having a, a war, and he he starts giving weapons to the uh, the losing side. I forget what episode so that's based like, on. Uh, but uh, Private Little War. Private or, Little War, yeah. Or the Omega Glory, I think. Or it happened a few times. Yeah. But, I mean, that's basically what's happening. It's a neat concept. Uh-huh. Um, we also have uh, not... Harry Mudd, but... Uh, Cyrano Jones? No. Oh. Harry Mudd's daughter. Oh. Who's apparently half Bajoran. Oh. I don't like that. It's it's pretty good. All right. Well, I might, I might look at it. I like the IDW comics, as we talked about. I just haven't read them. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'd check it out. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Now it all comes down to this one. Uh, our pal Ted has written a very good thing that will probably take uh, a bit more time here, so... Yeah. This is how the supplementals go. We had a big movie to talk about, and now we have a nice discussion. So strap in, punch it, stay frosty. Get your seatbelt that comes out from the back. I did not like that. Hey, guys. I remember from a few supplemental episodes back how you said you missed TOS Trio. Uh, As you probably know, I'm one of those who never watched Star Trek growing up, and I'm now watching and following along with you guys on a week-to-week basis. I love that we're getting people to do that. That That is great. Uh, At times during the original series, you said how Next Gen got really good. Next Gen came, and you guys are looking back fondly on the original series, <laughs> while also being excited about DS9. Are you going to miss the Next Gen crew once you've moved past this series? So essentially what he's saying is, are you guys never happy? He's saying it in a very polite way. Yes. There's more. Personally, I like the dynamic of Kirk, Spock, and Bones, and I do miss them at times. The Next Gen crew seems expanded to the point that you clearly don't get the same group feeling, but I feel they still do a pretty decent job when it's broken down to their subgroups, Jordy Data, Riker, Nails, Will, Beardo, Troy. <laughs> Worf, what was his name, etc. <laughs> with Picard's good episodes clearly being the front runner, I think it took a long time with the extra main crew to develop interesting stories for all of them. Hell, you guys said it took six seasons for Crusher and Troy to start any- to do anything decent. I won't say that about Crusher just yet. Um, that's that we just said Troy mm. Crusher gets a good episode, I believe, next week. Yeah. Uh, is that just a product of bad writing or too many guest uh, stars guest stars? 
Hope I didn't ramble on, Ted. No, Ted, that is an excellent. Yeah, excellent you may. Question. You, that is that is excellent. Um, I would have done a whole supplement on this. Uh, I will tell you what I told Al when he was telling me about this earlier. I have never been happy. So, <laughs> that's essentially what he's saying in a nice way, though. When we were doing the original series, all we could do was look forward. Now yep. we're looking back and forward. Yeah. I will say, the original series had seventy-eight episodes, seventy-nine episodes. The uh, next gen has hundred and seventy-eight episodes. I bet there are more good next gen episodes than the original series. I will say that just number wise, because mm-hmm. let's say every one in every three episodes is good, and that that holds true for both series. Yeah. Here, here's the thing about original series. Even when I've talked about this before, but even when the episode itself was bad, I still enjoyed it because I like that pulpy, campy thing that that, that original series did so well. That's one of the things I really love about original Trek. TNG when it's bad is just dull. Yeah, that's one of my that's one been one of my big issues with it. Well, and that's the problem doing this show, which isn't the same as how good it is. Sometimes for this show, having a bad episode that's so bad it's funny. Mm-hmm. We kid about Plato's stepchildren and about buckets and all that yeah. stuff, but honestly, we got a lot of comedy out of that because it was so bad. Yeah. But when we have just a boring, let's do the same thing again. Yeah. There's nothing to talk about. For comedy, it's hard. But on the other hand, as a, as a viewer, okay, it's good that they didn't have a bad episode, but it's completely unremarkable. Yeah. But like I say, there's probably more good next-gen episodes just by numbers, but yeah. that also means there's more bad ones mm-hmm. by numbers. I'm not as invested in the characters. It's a better show. It is absolutely, yes. unquestionably a better show on every level. The, 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 the other thing is, and you know, we've been talking about this a lot lately, is... There's that there's that dynamic in the original series. There's Kirk, yeah. Spock, Bones, and TNG really doesn't. You you talk about it in your letter. Um, the TNG crew breaks up better. Yeah, into, they don't into pairs. They don't really. function as well as a whole. I don't think. And the thing is, they would. Yeah, that's any workplace. You'll have the two people who used to date, but they're still cool with each other. Mm-hmm. You'd have the two nerds. Yep. You'd have the one sulky guy who's really into his uh, culture and can't really connect to anyone. And the robot. And the robot. <laughs> you got that at work, right? You work. Yeah. Yeah, of course. The robot. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a he's a cyborg. We don't have full robots Do you have here. RoboCop working at your... <laughs> yes. Peter Weller, who's my supervisor. Mm-hmm. I keep yelling you're not my supervisor at him, but it's, <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> but no, you got, the, you got the captain who's... I think that's a big part of it, is while the best stories are about Picard... You're really limited in your ensemble stories because he's so distant. Yeah, he doesn't like he doesn't really make those connections with right. the he rest and, of the crew. That's why Riker, you need to bring in guest stars to sort of Yeah. No, he and Riker have sort of a father son thing going on. He's yeah. got a sort of father son thing or father daughter thing with just about everybody. Pretty much, yeah. But that's the big limit is you can't you can't do that sort of ensemble story because Ted, like you say, everyone breaks down into pairs, but also the the core the you know the the core of the group in the original series was kirk mm-hmm. you had kirk and his two friends here you have picard who was alone and then other people who have paired off yeah it's hard to it's hard to form that emotional bond when the guy you're supposed to care about the most is off on his own yeah it's like it's like original series i don't feel was ever sort of really an ensemble show you no, know maybe very early it had been planned they that way to. but it's it, it when you have a personality like Shatner mm. that just demands 
constant attention at all times. Which is what we see in the movie because yeah. Chris Pine's not like that, and they it's they're allowed to expand it, and mm-hmm. that's one of the great things we like about both these movies is you don't just get Kirk, Spock, and Bose. We had a nice Scotty thing. Yeah. We had some good Sulu stuff. We even I can't believe I'm saying this, but I wish there had been more Chekhov. Yeah. We know Uhura's first name for the love of God, which Finally. we never knew. Yeah. Like now it's more of an ensemble, so we really see that it was Shatner's fault. Yeah. But then we get to TNG, which was made as an ensemble. But they're failing. But at they, it. but they failed at it. They've yeah. paired like they they pair everyone off. They have Picard by himself because he doesn't really function well, well with other people. That's the point of the the poker game at the end of All Good Things. It's like mm. now he's part of the family. Yeah. But the whole deliberate point all along was that he's distant. Yeah. And he's not part of the family. Yeah. Well, the 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 all the overwhelming sort of thing of TNG it has always been Picard slowly loosening up almost. Right. You know, and we've like definitely seen that. Yeah. As arcs From, go, he's the only one who's really got yeah. the proper one. Like that's that's what TNG is going to be about, I think, when it's finally yeah. done. I agree. Whereas Deep Space Nine, we're looking forward to because one, they tell the kind of stories that neither of these series could tell Mm -hmm. in a serialized way which now that it's 2013 and most serious dramas are like that yeah we're excited about because it was really the early days of telling stories that are sequential and not just forgetting about what happened last week Mm. but also ensemble wise they did a much better job of that i'm gonna tell you ds9 the reason i'm so excited about it ds9 is the star trek that got me back into watching star trek this would have been maybe a year or two after i graduated and Uh our the canadian version of the sci-fi channel was playing it every day and i was working a night job so i was home all the time and i just started watching it every day and i was shocked at how good it was see i was one and i think i've talked about this before and we'll talk about this extensively when we get to it yeah i was one of those next gen fans was like it doesn't go anywhere. It's mm-hmm. a station. Who cares? And I checked in, and the one episode I saw still remains one of my least favorite episodes, yeah. even after two passes through the series. I just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And I said, this is terrible. It's Cisco goes back in time and inadvertently... Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, uh... the guy who ends poverty is killed, and he has to fill in for him. Yeah. Ugh. Um, the, uh, what do you call it? The Gabriel Bell stuff, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And it, it's still one of my least favorite episodes now, so it definitely was not the right time yeah. to check in with it. And then there was this huge press when uh, Worf came over, mm-hmm. and Klingon War, and the Changelings, and the Dominion, and and the, the, the Defiant. And I was like, okay, they have a ship, they have a captain. They have a Worf. They have a, a guy that I'm familiar with. I'll give it another chance. And it was amazing, and I went back and checked out all the other stuff. And See, I didn't hear about the Dominion War until way later. So all I heard about was that now we have a ship, uh-huh. now we have Worf. And all it said right. to me was DS9 is not doing well. It is desperately trying to be like a successful show. And that drove me even further away. See, and what it did for me was, oh, good. They're trying to do something to draw me in, mm-hmm. and it works. <laughs> in any case... I think what we respond to is, one, it is a better ensemble show. Yep. Two, it tells sequential stories that we never got before. Like, we were so happy when Lessons followed up on something that was huge and important for another character. No, we're a big fan of serialized uh, storytelling. And like I say, everyone in 2013 is. Mm -hmm. That's how you tell stories on TV now. Absolutely. your, Your big shows like Breaking Bad, Mad Men, all those are, you know, sequential stories. Week to week, things matter. Yeah. And... Um, the fact that they told stories that you couldn't tell in Star Trek 
uh, probably because Gene was dead, mm-hmm. but also because it was its own separate thing. You could do war stuff. You could make people yeah. proper racists and not sort of dance around it. It's it's that idealistic future. But the nice thing is it still maintained that. Yeah. Until um, uh, Pale Moonlight, mm-hmm. which, you know, we'll get to. You know it is. It's yes. a fake. Cisco is totally still straight-laced. Like, he's willing to do what it takes, blah, 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 just yeah. like Kirk. But he's still totally straight-laced, uh, ideal future, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. He's still ideal Starfleet. And so is Bashir. And so is Dax. Like, all the Starfleet guys are still into the ideal future thing. But at the same time, that's only half the cast. Mm-hmm. So we get a nice dark side of what else happens. And we get Section 31, which we mentioned before. Yep. And we get war. War turns people into other things. Yeah. You can't have an ideal future and also fight a war. Especially when you have a war being fought by explorers. Yeah. People who aren't used to war right like like they're not they're none of these guys were soldiers no uh bashir came out there for frontier medicine yeah and dax is a science officer and you know cisco doesn't want to have people shoot at him anymore with yeah. the beginning of cisco, ds9 yeah cisco has been through the borg already he doesn't yeah. want that again um but in any case i suppose you're right ted in that it sounds like we're never happy because no. we're always looking back or looking ahead but i'm gonna say Next Gen has been a great show when it's good. Yep. It's a better show overall than the original series. I just don't have as much invested in the characters. Each series has its own thing, is yes. I guess what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And Next Gen, I don't know that there's a better single character in any of the series at all than Picard. No. Just it, not my favorite exactly. But definitely the best written. Um, yeah. The best consistent character. Yeah, the one with a very clear arc yeah. where he starts out as this distant guy and becomes much more... Mm-hmm personable and caring and all that and acted mm. obviously the best actor among the captains oh clearly of all well i mean look at the competition ah that's true what do you say about avery books he's a what decent <laughs> actor but a little what <laughs> over the top <laughs> oh fuck yeah um anyway so yeah you're not wrong ted yeah on the other hand like i say i want to give you know props as the kids say to mm. next gen because it has that it has the best single character yeah we just there's certain things this show doesn't deliver that the previous one did and that the next one did we don't want to give it the middle child thing where we loved the original series we loved es9 and next gen just doesn't get any love because it's sort of the bridge between them we do love it mm-hmm. just in a different each one's a different yeah. thing and maybe there's something to love about voyager i can't complete this sentence <laughs> We'll see. Maybe, you know, it would be nice if, you know, it would be a pain for us right now, but it would have been nice if Voyager happened first and then DS9. It will be very interesting to see what we latch on to when we get to Voyager. Yeah. But, I mean, if we had that in-between something that we knew something else Yeah, so that instead of just, oh, God, now here comes Enterprise. Right. Well, maybe there'll be a third Trek movie to talk about. Maybe there'll be a third Trek series that we can just replace Enterprise with, please. That would be nice. That would be like a sixth. I know you can hear me, Rick Berman. (laughs) From the grave. (laughs) I don't know. Is he dead? I have no idea. He should definitely not be in producing anymore. No. Um, As far as the third Trek movie goes, let's let's talk about that real quick. We're out of mail. What? You right? Your chair is fucking killing me, man. Well, we're almost done. You can stand up if you want. No, I'm good. All right. Um, As far as the third Trek movie goes, let's talk about this real quick. I think it's not going to be any more than three years because 2016 is the 50th yep. anniversary of Star Trek. You got to have something for that. Yeah. The Cage premiered in, uh, I believe, 1966. 
So we got to do something with that. So there's going to be probably, I would guess mm -hmm. the third Trek movie will be that. I, and I would not be surprised if, uh, it's, it's still Paramount, right? Yeah. I would not be surprised if Paramount tried to turn that into a very, like a big, almost year long. As well they should. Celebrate. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking Star Trek for Christ's sake. And if you look at what they're doing with Doctor Who, which mm -hmm. also very much deserving. Yep. It's that's really the first big sci-fi franchise to make it to this huge landmark. Mm -hmm. But Star Trek's right behind it. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing in the UK. Like your average person. It it floors me when I watched uh, British panel like comedy shows. And just your average guy who doesn't appear to be a nerd knows what a Dalek is. Everyone fu over there knows what a fucking Dalek is. It's amazing. But I mean, over here, we think, okay, Star Trek isn't mainstream or whatever. People know what a Tribble yeah. is or a Klingon. It does it does permeate the culture. Absolutely. And so for a 50th anniversary, I would only be worried that they would do another sort of very accessible, let's rehash the Wrath of Khan or let's yeah. rehash. But what do you think they would do? I feel like um, a lot of this movie is setting up, like I'm pretty certain next one's going to be Klingons. Mm. I hope not because we've done that. Mm. We've done that and we've done that. I was really hoping that Nero decimating the Klingon fleet meant we'd go in we a would different get, direction. So we would do something else yeah. instead, yeah. Yeah, but apparently not. Um, no, if it, it, and again, I like this movie, but if it's taught me anything, it's that, you know. Let's move forward and not backwards. Yeah. And always twirling, twirling. Yeah. Yeah. But it also taught me that what's what's actually going to happen is that we're going to see something we've seen before again. Maybe. And what this what this movie set up for me most of all was the Klingons. Yeah, that could be. They're the they're the mm -hmm. most well known Trek villain. That could be, and we've never actually gotten a proper Trek movie where they fought Klingons. No, we had a movie where they were desperately trying to make peace with them, mm -hmm. and we had a well, movie. Well, there's Trek Three. That's what I was about yeah. to say, and we had a movie where they were fighting one captain. Yeah, but there's never been a war. Yeah. with the Klingons. If anything, they were trying to prevent one in six, and that yeah. was it. So there's that. So I... that that that's my. That's, my That's what you think they're going to do? And I will not... I talked to... I mentioned this to Al when we were watching it the second time. I will bet... I will bet that $10 that uh, we're going to have uh, Khan come back for the third one. No. I don't think they will. Of course, you know, I'm 0-1 on this, mm. but who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm right this time. Well, you're hearing it right now, folks. Yeah. Somebody remember that. In probably three years. Oh, please. You'll put it on your little board. I know you will. I, I know I know will. how you work. You're surrounded by my boards, and there's yeah. more than one. Um, it's like the fucking room from seven in here. <laughs> okay, so tell me this. What what do you want in the third Star Trek movie? I want some... Let's see. I want something new. Man. Yeah. Completely new or yeah. retelling of an old... I don't want... Now, we've done... We've done the original... Mm -hmm. With its ties to the the first yeah. series, we've done this one with its ties for good or for ill to Rathacon. Mm -hmm. Third one needs to be something completely new. New monsters, new monsters, yeah, new, new monsters. aliens, new monsters, everything. We we've established that they're out on the five year mission. Uh, there's no going back to Earth. I don't want to see Earth at all. Yeah. Well, that's the problem is the stakes. If nobody cares, you know, unless they're threatening but Earth, there there's a way to do that though. Is there? Yeah. What way is that? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a Star Trek writer. You could be. I would. I we would. look. We wrote. We rewote. We, we wrote. We rewrote Voyager. We did for one of these. things. We turned it into Battlestar Galactica, as I recall. Sort of. <laughs> um. But I mean, there's a. Uh, you and I are pretty decent at looking. You know, at not just doing. Well, this is wrong. Uh -huh. This is wrong. Like we. 
to me, that's useless. Yeah. You just say this is wrong, this is wrong. I always try to think of a way that it could be better mm. and a way, and not in a criticizing, I could make this better, yeah. but really, and it just is a mental exercise. What, why don't I like this and what would have worked better? I think that's, to me, a little more constructive. Yeah. It doesn't change anything, but I think it's more constructive. I I would like to see, as you say, out on the frontier, I would like to find that magic combination that no one's yet made mm. in a Trek movie where they do some sort of ponderous sci-fi thing. Yeah. Where they actually seek out new life, blah, 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 but also manage to get some action. And it's like what we talked about with The Chase last week or two mm-hmm. weeks ago, um, where that would have been a great big payoff, huge story thing, but also character stuff, but also action Something that combines those things, something that takes the basic ponderousness of the motion picture, combines it with the the action and and the the, the character stuff of the Abrams era, mm-hmm. into something new. Like uh, our pal Vishal, who uh, has been on the show recently, yes, who's done the cover art for this and many other episodes, um, said that he would like to see a proper science fiction movie and not a not an action movie yeah. for Star Trek. So would I. But we never have. No. I don't know what it would be. You're not going to either. But that's what I would like to see. Yeah. I bet it could be done. Mm. Some writer could make that happen. What about, I don't want them to do this. What about something like The Cage? Put some action in The Cage. It's got some pretty cerebral stuff in it. So what you're saying is you would like to see The Cage again? Well, no. They, they Now uh, Pike doesn't get to die on, on Paradise Planet. He doesn't get to die anywhere now. He already died somewhere. Oh, that makes me sad. His mutton, his sharp mutton chop sideburns are dead now. Oh, I liked his cane too. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, we haven't evolved beyond the need for canes yet. <laughs> well, I mean, what would what what else would they have? Robot legs. Uh-huh. Um, I I uh, I briefly thought that he wasn't going to die, but that the universe wanted him to lose the loss. To use, yeah, it was his legs. Desperate to cripple him. Yeah. The, oh no, my legs again! Oh come on! Like, look, this is you talk about destiny. This is your destiny, Chris. <laughs> Sorry, man. At least I got to go to Sex Planet last time. That's what I'm saying. That's how he like ended up before. Mm-hmm. But I don't know something like that with more action. Like, I think that's possible. I think you could do that. I don't know that they ever will. I would like to see. I would like to see them stuck out on the frontier. I would like to see them bring in the Klingons not as villains. I would not. Well, so you're talking about a story like Day of the Dove. A little. Where... Only without magic. Yeah, but they're initially enemies and they yeah. have to come together as friends, something like that. I would like to see, I'd like to see that, um, I th- and I think having a war on would be a good backdrop for that. I think there is a few episodes, I don't want to see them remade, mm. but a few episodes that would have made great movies. And that's basically our two favorite episodes, yeah. which is... The Doomsday Machine and the Tholian Web. Oh, Doomsday Machine or Tholian Web would be so fucking good as because movies. Because those are both really strong character pieces that have shit tons of action in them and also a lot of really cool sci-fi concepts. It can be done. You turn the Doomsday Machine or Tholian Web into movies. Yeah. Those would be those would be your action set pieces along with sci-fi. Mm. Because the, the, the Tholian Web had that phasing in and out of reality. It had the Tholians with their weird web thing. Yep. It had people reacting to Kirk dying. And the Doomsday Machine had a dude who was totally obsessed with this weird alien artifact. You could go more into where the thing came from. Yep. It could still be mysterious. But you could go into what the culture was like a little or something. You know, yeah. Like, there's ways to make both of those really. And that's the kind of story I think they should have. No. Something like that. Man, I'd really like to see the Tholians in the next one, you know? That'd be great. Or... Because they're just, they're so different than 
anything else we well, ever that's what get. what I want to see. I want to see an alien that is alien. Yeah. No no humanoid stuff. I, lo- I love the fucking yeah. weird-looking Tholians, man. Yeah. Or, you know, well, the Gorn were used in the, in the game. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, is a terrible game. Yeah, it is. I want to see, I want to watch the cutscenes because it's written really well, mm-hmm. but the game itself not. Very it's really good. shitty. It is. Um, or not the Romulans, but you know what I mean. Like mm. you could take one of the lesser races that they never did much with. The Breen. Yeah, the Breen. Yeah, that'll do. See what's under those helmets. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see what's under those helmets. It's much cooler not knowing. <laughs> it's more Klingons. Yes, more Klingons. It's Klingons again, all the way again down. with the Klingons. And with the Klingons. All right, that's all. Matt's butt's getting uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> let's not let's not explore why. <laughs> Just don't ask me how my butt is right now. How about that? That's all. Uh, that's all we have for this time. Our next supplemental is going to be after. Well, it's going to be after all good things are after the movies, but basically wrapping up next gen. So mm-hmm. that's it. So if you want to uh, write in again, it is uh, postatomichorror at gmail. We won't be answering your your mail again for a few months. But if you want to ask sort of overarching questions about all of Next Gen, stuff yep. we haven't addressed yet, mm-hmm. that would be the time to do it because that's basically going to be the last we talk about Next Gen. Or uh, by that point, you'll have all of you will have seen uh, Trek into Darkness. So uh, if you got any questions or comments about that, send those in too. Those we might address a little sooner. We will obviously not give spoilers on the main show. No, this one is clearly marked spoilers. Yep, but um. We will, I don't know, we'll find a way, because I think talking about it in three months... Once we've had time to, to think about it some... Yeah, yeah. Th- actually, that might not be bad come to think of it. Mm. Yeah. I, we'll figure something yeah. out. If you write to us, we will respond somehow. All right. Um, and that is that. Matt, say it. See you, folks. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. A five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before.